Warning, the following audio transmission is based on theory and is intended for entertainment purposes only. It's Doomsday and its affiliates will not be held liable for anything your dumbass does. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome everybody to It's Doomsday Podcast. Today is 6-2022, time is 18.03, and joining me today is Al, a.k.a. Big Daddy Prep. What's up, Al? Oh, nothing, just trying to get cooled down. I've been working out in my garden all day today, sweating, sweating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, well, since that's what today's topic is, gardening survival, it's a good thing you just came from the garden. Yeah, well, you get two-fold thing from the garden you not only get to raise your own crops but you also get a real good cheap workout program because you know i ain't gonna lie to you i figured out exactly how fat i really am over the last few days so i'm losing a little weight out there <laughs> eating better is good for you but uh i think a little exercise is good for you too so everybody needs to get in the garden now oh yeah absolutely and guys before we tear into this episode i got a couple announcements for you guys uh just to give everybody an idea of what's going on with the events we have coming up in september and october so, we will be at Prepper Camp. If you guys want to get your tickets for Prepper Camp, www.preppercamp.com. It's in Saluda, North Carolina. Uh, the event is going to be the 23rd, 24th, and 25th of September, I believe. Don't quote me. It's on the website. Uh, there's also another event coming up uh, in October, and this is our event we are hosting. This is called Prep Stock. This is going to be October 27th, 28th, 29th. And this is going to be in Oliver Springs, Tennessee. Tickets are available. Uh, get on the website, www.prepstock.info, and go secure a ticket and come to the event. Meet us, and we're going to do some doomsday shit together. All right, so moving on. So, Al. Yes. Gardening survival. Yep, gardening survival, because we all know without a shadow of a doubt no matter how much food or resources you have stuck back you're going to have to replenish you're going to have to eat something other than what you've got stuck back if the economy goes to crap and there's nothing on the shelves you're going to have to eat something so why not be more self-sufficient why not raise grow and become the procurer of your own garden your own resources don't just depend on someone else to feed you you feed yourself I got you. And, you know, Al, I think a lot of people got out of the mindset of being self-sufficient in gardening. I mean, my parents gardened, their grandparents gardened and went through the Depression. I know that uh, this is how people have fed themselves for years before we had these big box stores. You know? Yeah, because they, they've become dependent on the fact that a farmer or someone, uh, let's, 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 let's go back, let's roll it back a little bit. We have a lot of people in society today over the last 20 or 30 years that have lost total touch of where their food comes from. 
They don't understand the supply chain. They don't understand the supply web. They don't understand the fact that a farmer has to grow the crops. The crops have to get to the store by transportation. Someone has to stock the crops. They just think that the store produces it, and that's not the way it is. You know, there's a lot of moving parts in your your food system. So as people start to figure this out and come other days, and I'm not blaming them, we didn't teach people in school over the last two or three decades of how to how the whole supply chain and how things work. That people are figuring out now that they could go to the store and something not be there and the reasons why it is. So if you're going to replenish your stock and your supplies, you've got to have a way to do it. And being able to grow something, whether it be a chicken or a eggplant or anything, is it's it's kind of like basic. It's like one of the most rudimentary things that we do as human beings, you know, growing from the ground. Oh, absolutely, I 100% agree with you. And it, you know, it's kind of mind blowing. I get for me, it's kind of mind blowing, like when. When I'm out there and I'm like on TikTok and like I'm showing what I'm doing or I'm doing a live from the greenhouse, everybody finds it so interesting and so fascinating. And I do, too. But what's odd is why is something that's so basic that human beings have been doing for years so fascinating now? Everybody should know this and just be doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the thing is that the last two or three generations, they've they've kind of. They've been lucky in one aspect, but not lucky in another because they were lucky that they didn't have to worry about going out and sweating and growing. You know, back in the day, Farmer Jones raised cattle. He had meat. He had milk. Farmer Brown over here, he raised chickens. He had chickens and he had eggs and things like that. And people intertraded things. Nowadays, in the last two or three generations, we've not told people and taught people how to do things because they were readily available. It was easy to go get a chicken at the at the at the corner box store. It was easy to go pick up some eggs down at the convenience store down the road. So we lost touch of where things come from, and by doing that, we also lost touch of how to do things. I mean, it only takes one generation of not learning something for all the rest of the generations to lose it. So, basically, it's all of our fault. We, we, we're all complacent in it. We kind of took things out of schools, the basics of how to grow up and how to do things. I remember when we were in school, we had horticulture, and you went out and you learned how to grow things and put things into the ground. You know, we had shop class where you learned how to actually build things, and we don't teach those things to kids nowadays. So most of the younger generation now they're really when you see you doing these things they're so interested because they've never seen it where it's a little different with us in my generation we all had to go through it they taught you this they made you go to the greenhouse but they don't do that nowadays gesture oh no i got you and al since we're on the subject of gardening i don't know if you knew this or not but our friends at weddy wise sell emergency uh seed banks did you know that Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yeah. And they sell a very good one, too. So that's that's something I was going to kind of push out there to everybody. Uh, you know, if say that you don't plan on gardening, but say you plan on bugging out, and then you're going to have to provide food for yourself. Um, you know, ReadyWise has these available, but there's a lot of other companies out there that do have these available, available as well. So look into these emergency seed banks. The idea that you could have an entire vegetable garden in your bug out bag ready to go for your location is in my opinion pretty awesome what do you think al 
Yes, I do. I mean, ReadyWise has a really good seed bank. Of course, you know, I've got a seed bank that I personally built over years, and I've kind of updated and kept it going. So, um, you know, I, I've got a Ready Seed Bank. But if you don't have one, and you could immediately get an entire bank of all kinds of seeds for an entire garden, then you could work through that as time goes on and see what grows in your area. But with any seed bank or anything you have, you have to learn what grows in your area. What zone are you in? What's going to grow well in your soil? How is your soil? You know, these are basic questions you have to ask too because in some areas, some things will grow. In some areas, some things don't. Some things flourish in certain areas. Well, the area I'm in actually has a, a really good reputation for watermelons and cantaloupes and things like that. So you just kind of have to know where you're at but a seed bank is great because you need to try a little bit of everything that's what I do I experiment with a small batch of a crop one year and then if I find out it really does good for me then I jump into it bigger the next year but I want to experiment with the soil I have you know oh no that, that makes total sense like I I haven't lived on my property all that long so every year has been kind of a new experiment for me as well and I'm now starting to learn like what are the best tomatoes to grow here I'm starting to learn that cabbage doesn't do that great. For whatever reason, I've been having problems with cabbage. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> but no, what Al said, you got to get out there. You got to experiment and find out what grows in your region. I've uh, So Al, what I have is I have a notebook, okay? And in this notebook, I write down, um, it's got my zone in there. It's got the times of years, like our record last frost and, and our first frost of the year, things that I could put in winter gardens. It's got, it's got all that stuff wrote down in it, right? Um, it's not complete cause it's obviously a lot of information, but if you guys can do that, if you guys can get a little notebook and write down what's growing best in your area, your harvest times for things, when things need to go in the ground, because right now I rely on the internet and I know that that's not always going to be a possibility. So I'm trying to get all these things written down in this, uh, into this notebook. You know what I mean? Hey preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com, D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. Right, and, and the thing is, too, it's also, you keep a notebook, but try to keep a mental note of, you know, this is like people do, and I and I was notorious for this in the beginning when I started growing gardens. You just go out and you just start growing. We just go out and start growing. Other things, we're just going to grow. Well, how much you can grow? I don't know. Well, how big a rose? I don't know. And then you just start throwing things in the ground. Before you know it, you got a little patchwork. Granted, it comes out to be a garden, and you get something out of it. But actually taking the area that you have and figuring out how much space you have what needs to grow where, how much space each crop needs, when you should start things, how much what, these are research things that the internet can teach you, but you have to print it off and have something, a hard copy. And like you said with that notebook, if you find out that you, like I personally like eggplant, I personally like zucchini and squash. I know I can produce a lot of it here, so we'll have a lot of it stuck back. I use it as a meat substitute, zucchini and a lot of things. I use it, uh, just certain things that I know I'm going to grow to eat but here if you plan out your garden you need to kind of plan out how much of this do you want you know if you plant 87 zucchini plants are you going to eat the bounty of 87 zucchini plants probably not so maybe six the first year grow three and see how that goes and how much do you use 
this is kind of a planning deal here because you have to figure out what you like. Growing things that you don't like to eat, well, that's useless. I mean, that's not doing any good unless you have a way to sell it or get rid of it. I grow radishes, but I'm not a huge fan of radishes, but I have friends that like them, and they grow other things. So I'll be like, hey, you know, I got all these nice cherry ball um, radishes. Would you like to trade some so-and-so for? Yeah, sure. But that's a thing where you kind of have to plan. So take a, take a piece of paper, draw out what you want, how much of what you want. Draw your little garden out. Try to stick to as much as you can. And I'll tell you another thing that gardeners that get started and people that are growing gardens, they, they go out and they plant a bunch of stuff and they don't remember where they planted it or what did they plant there. So when you're doing it, write out what you've got and where. Mark it and stake it with just a little, you don't have to stake it with a big huge stake out, but just stake it and where the, where the row should be at so you can tell in a few days if that's actually coming up or that's weeds coming up. You know, it's, it's simple things like this that you find as you start to grow gardens that if you do it now and you do it in the beginning and you, you take care of it, it'll produce a lot more. Because what if you go out and weed the garden one day and you've weeded up everything you've grown because you don't know <laughs> what it looked like when it started to come up? I've been notorious to doing that in the past. You know, something you mentioned I would love to touch on as well is uh, the idea of trading out foods. I mean, gardens go beyond just feeding yourself, guys. It also gets into the barter side of things. Being able to barter fruits and vegetables could make all the difference in an apocalyptic scenario. Absolutely. And, you know, like I like what I'm growing this year, I'm growing Japanese eggplant, uh, regular standard eggplant. I'm growing some gourds because my wife likes gourds around the, the fall time of the year. So I'm growing apple gourds. I'm growing uh, lots of pickling cucumbers because we like a lot of pickled cucumbers and a lot of, uh, you know, pickles themselves of that. I've got um, bell peppers, about four different kinds of tomatoes. Uh, sweet potatoes, red potatoes, uh, crook neck squash, straight neck squash, zucchini, three kinds of beans, radishes, and one kind of carrots. And I'm not so sure if it's going to turn out or not. That's just the garden part. Then we get on to the herbs and the other things I've got started. So I know the things my family's going to eat, but I know the things that other people want to trade out for. So yeah, if I get a lot of radishes, I'm going to trade them puppies out because... You know, I can only eat so many. I'm not a huge fan, but some people are huge fans with them. So you have to be able to barter and trade and know what you're going to use. And if you don't use it all, well, be a good be a good person. Find somebody that needs it or someone you can trade out with. Don't let it go to waste or go to rot. I hate that. That's that's disgusting to raise things and just let it go to hell and just <laughs> throw it away. That that makes no sense. That's the reason why I always had animals like rabbits and chickens and things like that, because at least if we didn't eat it, if it got too big or it was bad or something happened to it, that something else got the nutrition out of it. Oh, absolutely. And I, I guess that's, I know there's a lot of people coming to me all the time. I get questions about, you know, prepping for pets and things like that. The idea of keeping some of these, uh, keeping some of the scrap plants and turning them into food for your livestock, you know, making things like silge. Th th this is another great thing you can do with these gardens. And I mean, I would, I would think anybody out there that listens to the show that, that is, you know, in their bug out location or has a bug out location or is in the homesteading side of things. I think a lot of people are already doing this, right? Right, right. And, and that's the whole thing right there. It's a complete rotation. 
if you if you grow your garden then you eat out of your garden and whomever eats out of your garden but what you have left over out of your garden or the or the remnants of your garden when you get ready to take it down you can go to your small animals whatever it might be goats or chickens or ducks or whatever it might be let them clean that up but then let them also forage on that area so they go and they do their little business out there and they enrich your garden they pick the bugs out they keep it clean this is a complete cycle but you kind of got to learn your learn the ropes you don't want to jump out there first and go out and spend ten thousand dollars on chickens and and i gotta have a new tiller and i gotta have this see i heard that for so many years with other gardeners because i had really really nice gardens and i and i had you know tillers and everything i used on it but this year i've decided jester that i'm not going to do that when i started doing my thing on tiktok this year i wanted to show how you can do it low dollar with virtually no machinery, no fertilizer, no extra chemicals, how you could go out and grow a garden and be able to feed yourself with. So I'm trying not to spend as much as I possibly can on my gardens like I've done in the past because I don't want people to get the idea that nobody can do this or you have to have a lot of money to grow a garden. No, you don't. No, you don't. You just have to have a little ingenuity, a little time, and a little will to want to learn something and do something. And you're going to fail but your failures make your successes so much more. You, you're gonna fail. Something's not gonna produce, something's not gonna sprout, it's fine. You'll just go on to something else. But everybody fails, Jester, that's, that's a fact. I mean, if you've ever grown a garden, something's failed. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I had a lot of failures my first uh, year up here with my garden. My, all my squash died. I don't know why, they, they all died. My cabbages never became cabbages. They just became sticks. Yeah. Like, they, they never balled up into cabbages. Um, th there was a lot of things that just didn't do well my first go-around. This year, I've taken it a lot more seriously, and I know a lot of you guys might think I'm crazy out there, but so I did – I grew – everything grown this year is in buckets, five-gallon buckets, Tupperware containers, or the dollar store kiddie pools. That's what I'm growing everything in this year. Um, just because I didn't have a set area for a garden and I wanted to be able to move stuff around just cause I've got so many projects, the, the big garden projects, not quite here yet, you know, yeah. uh, it's a project too. It's a project. Okay. Yeah, it is. And I mean, it's, it's constant work and con constant maintenance. And I don't, if you guys decide to go out and do the garden, just do understand you got to be devoted to it. You can't yeah. go into this all willy-nilly and be like, well, I'll do a little bit, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, it's it's devotion, man. No. If you're, listen, let me save you a lot of time, a lot of grief, a lot of money, and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of work, okay? If you don't plan on working a garden, don't plant one. Because all you're doing is wasting your money. If you have the will to want to go out and do it. Now, I got caught. I've had good gardens, and my wife's helped me. We had beautiful gardens. I put pictures up on TikTok not long ago of my previous gardens and things. And I, and I, I take great pride in them. I was down there this afternoon going, yeah, that's looking pretty good. Oh, that looks good. But one year, I got caught having to work a lot of overtime at the worst possible time. My garden got overtaken by grass and weeds, and I, I couldn't catch up. I was working. It was too hot. It was too many hours a day. And I practically lost half that garden that year. And that was the most frustrating, worst garden I've ever had. So if you don't have the time to devote, or if you don't have the ability to go out and want to do it, I'm gonna say don't, don't do it. Period. Because it's you're just gonna lose out. It doesn't take but about a week for grass and weeds to overtake you. 
So you have to constantly be vigilant. But if you get it out in the beginning and you keep it out and you keep it up every day, you don't have an issue. That's why now this year I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'll be honest with you. I'm going back every day and making sure I keep the weeds out. I'm not totally done, but you have to be vigilant with it. No, no, I absolutely agree with you, Alan. I mean, that's something on my list of things to do today is I've got beans and peppers and I got different things I got to get out of the garden today. But, you know, something I did really want to get into with this episode is a lot of people, you know, we, we all stock the foods, right? You guys got to get in this mindset when it comes to gardening and hunting that these are renewable things, right? This could produce for you every year if you're doing it right. Just like, you know, going out and hunting meat. If you're being conservative and you're not just go out there killing everything, there's going to be more for you the next year. And I know a lot of people are like, well, what's, what's a good gardening produce doesn't last that long. That's where the preservation side comes into this. As right. Well. That's a different, that's a different show for a different day. Right. Uh, but you know, if you are going through the hassle of doing the gardening, get a dehydrator, learn to can stuff, you know, you can, you can obviously freeze stuff and uh, increase the life a little bit longer. And then if you are worried about, you know, um, if you are worried about the preservation side of this, you can selectively plant things that have a longer shelf life. Like potatoes are a great example of that. If you're doing potatoes, they don't require refrigeration, things like that. And they'll keep for a long time. Long so, time. Yeah. These yeah. are, these are just some thoughts when you're, when you're getting into this gardening side of things. Just some you can gr- grow lots of things for long term, And also depending on what you want to grow. I mean, listen, if you don't eat cilantro, it doesn't do you good to grow cilantro. Okay, if you don't eat beets, don't grow beets, grow what you know you're going to eat and also grow for what you need. If you feel like you need a lot of starches in your diet and that's what you need to be growing, then potatoes and carrots, root vegetables are really big for you right there. But you have to grow to what you know that you're going to want, need, desire and have to have on shelf. Things that go, you know, long term storage. I mean, you could dry potatoes and things like that and have them for literally forever i mean you can pan and dry things like that forever oh no i agree with you al and one thing also i did want to get into too guys is i know a lot of people have this mindset of well what happens when martial law is declared are they going to come in and they're going to take all my shit no there's a chance that yeah there's a chance that they could i mean absolutely that is that is something that's a concern um having things like a good hidden root cellar will you know ensure that you have your foods they're hidden away and they will last longer okay but something I, I've talked about before on other shows is, guys, get into the idea of doing hidden gardens. All right. These these are absolutely yep. phenomenal for the idea. If marauders are coming in, um, martial laws declared and they start taking your shit, you know, things like that. The idea of taking root vegetables and putting them out in the woods, things like carrots, potatoes, onions, you know, these kind of foods, beets, radishes, all these root vegetable type foods. If you take these and you put them out randomly in the woods, the average person walking through the woods is not going to stop and be like, oh, that's a potato plant. I bet there's potatoes under the soil. Nope. And you can grow literally tons of food in secret gardens. Literally tons. I mean, (laughs) it is really easy to do. And there's lots of public lands around. There's lots of private lands around that no one ever walks across. So you might as well be growing something in it, especially for that kind of situation. I mean, oh, absolutely. And I got, I got, I'm sorry. I'll go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's glitching the system there. 
Yeah, there it is. <laughs> so uh, this year, uh, Scott from Prepper Talk Radio turned me on to, they're called Egyptian walking onions, okay? And these are an onion that, they are a very invasive onion. They will take over, okay? And they spread like wildfire. My interest in doing these was, heck, if I plant these out in the woods, let them take off, let them take over. You know, I could do so much with onions. You know what I mean? And if, I mean, granted, I don't want onions to be my only food source, but just the idea, I could plant them, I could walk away. They're, they're a perennial, they come back every year. And, you know, eventually wherever I put these things is just going to be filled up with these onions. I mean, right. I think it's absolutely genius to do certain things like that. Right. There's all kinds of things like that 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 comes back every year. It's like berries and, and, and nut trees and fruit trees and things like that. That, you know, gardening is not just what's in the garden. I mean, br growing fruits and vegetables and things. I mean, lots of fruit trees that you can have in your yard, that's gardening too. And having those, having a bounty of, of fruit. Like I, I plant apples and pears and things like that because I know they're going to produce once a year. And if I do my due diligence and store it away the right way i'll have those items all through the winter and into the next year till i can get another harvest off of it so yeah it's not just what's in the garden and not just the herbs the trees have something to do with it too nut trees i mean people kind of poo poo on nut trees but i would love to have nut trees around because that's a real good source of, of protein and on top of it it's uh kind of in nature's nature's little Ziploc bag unless you bust it open it's going to stay good for a very long time so it, it's interesting I actually bought a pecan tree uh this this year and I'm growing it <laughs> it's still in a five gallon bucket I'm waiting till it gets big enough to transplant I didn't realize how big they get but they get huge yeah so I'm trying to find like a really really good area to put this thing we have like um, millions here millions of them here I mean they're yeah. all over I mean I'll eat the hell out of some pecans pecans yep. pecans yep. whatever you guys they're, want to call them <laughs> they're all over i mean they're just like they're everywhere here people kind of fight over who's going to go pick up uh on the stray places around here but yeah there's all kinds of things that you can get to replenish your supply because folks i don't care how much supply you have you're going to have to replenish it period that's a fact and then you know I also understand that when you have these nut trees and these different fruit trees and things out there just growing in nature, that it's going to bring in other animals. It's going to bring in your live food stocks, right? right. It's going to bring in the squirrels. It's going to bring in the deer. It's going to bring in the turkeys. It's going to bring in other food sources. So this is a win-win all the way around. Yeah, because, you know, you're going to have to replenish your supplies. Whatever you have stuck back, if you steadily whittle it down, it's going to get down to zero. I don't care how much you have. <laughs> For somebody, it's going to get down to zero. So you have to be supplementing. What would you, I would rather be going out and get something fresh and leaving my ready ready supply back and not worrying about that keeping that for an emergency day because if i've got things coming off the garden and i mean if there's nothing on the shelves that you know at the store and i can go home and eat out of my garden and eat out of my backyard and eat out of, out of uh, nature why would i not want to do that i mean i don't want to be in a big store fighting and arguing with somebody over one chicken and a corn dog or something like that you know what i mean <laughs> that's just me i'd rather have my own Oh, no, absolutely. And I think that a lot of us that are prepping at Homesteading, we want, you know, we want total self-sufficiency. We don't want to rely on the big box. Stores, right. right. So, I mean, for me, that's why gardening makes so much sense for me. Plus, I mean, honestly, the shit that they're putting in our food nowadays, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. You know, I don't want to eat a lot of the produce that comes 
at least from this country anyway. I mean, it's it's not good. No, that's like in my garden this year. I've put absolutely zero in there this year. I mean, zero. Not any fertilizer, no insecticide, no herbicides, no nothing. And if I do, I'll simply say I put this on there for this reason. But I'm trying to get away with putting nothing out there because we've become too dependent on that kind of stuff. You know, Arkansans are the world's worst. They don't want to buy a weed eater. Well, I've heard many people say, well, I don't need to buy a weed eater for when I got Roundup. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I like to keep the next generation from growing a third leg or something like that, you know. I don't really want a whole lot of chemicals all over my yard or all over my fruit or anything else. So that's just me. But I just, I would, rec- I would like to go without the chemicals if I could possibly have it and just go the old method, like a hoe. You don't need a, you don't need chemicals to kill weeds. You've got a hoe out there, you know. You can go out and pick the bugs off. If you've got large enough, like tomato bugs, you can go out and pick them off and get rid of them, not use uh, dusts and powders on them because that eventually has to go back into the ground or it has to go into you or into the fruit or vegetable whenever you eat it. So, yeah, I don't, I don't like those negative things. I'm not saying I never use them, but I try not to use as much as possible. Right, and you know, just a, just a tip for you guys out there that have ducks. Putting ducks out in your garden is actually really good. The ducks will actually go out and pick the shit, off, pick the bugs and shit off your uh, vegetables without doing much damage to the things that you're growing. Itself. That's true. So just a little, you know, a little F- FYI type thing for you guys. But out there was another part of this. What I wanted to get into as well. Um, so. Al, have you heard there's a food shortage? Yeah, I don't know if I've, I've heard there's a food shortage. I heard it everywhere, yeah. And there is a food shortage. But the thing is, is uh, the the narrative that you're being told out there in the public is way different than what it actually is. You know, uh, mainstream media tells you one narrative, and the actuality is completely different. So if you guys get online and you actually look up 2022 food crisis, there's um, there's – it's all over Wikipedia, and I usually don't go to Wikipedia for, for my information. Sometimes I do if I can't find things otherwise, anywhere else. But if you go on Wikipedia and you look up 2022 food crisis, they have a list of reasons why we're in this food crisis, right? And they're blaming everything from the Russian invasion uh, of Ukraine due to fertilizer prices and all kinds of other things. Um, <laughs> so... If there's ever a good reason to start gardening, it is the idea of this potential shortage and, and the shortage we've already seen and how it's going to get worse, right? Because I honestly think that it's a lot worse off than what we think it is, but I think that uh, there's still stuff on the shelves, so it's giving us some hope, but I don't look for things to be on the shelves much longer. I don't either, because generally the supply chain is anywhere from three to six months from the actual events going on. Right now, as of this year, we have beautiful crops here in Arkansas. I can say I've drove down many, many roads and beautiful crops. Beautiful crops do not produce bountiful harvests, okay? It can be just as pretty as could be and not produce anything. So we're gonna look at somewhere this year having reduced amounts of yield from crops. Fertilizers are two and three times the usual price. Farmers all tell me the same exact thing. We know the diesel price has almost doubled. It's at least 80% higher than it was last year. I know this for actually two years ago. So, yeah, prices are going to be higher. There's going to be less yield, less things that, you know, going through the system, coming out the other system, like your crackers and cookies and ready-made things. They all come from what comes out of the fields this year for next year. So, 
Yeah, is there going to be a food crisis? I believe so. From 22 going into 23, I think you're going to see a lot of things out of stock that aren't going to be coming back anytime soon. But if you're self-sufficient, you won't have to worry about it as bad. You know, it, it's, it helps a lot when you have food on your table. It might not be everything you want to eat, but it'll be something to eat. And I assure you, that's way better than nothing to eat. Oh, absolutely. And I, I guess for me, it's like I, because we have a restaurant, I see this, I think, more than the average person sees this, right? But it's not just the idea of the shortage either. It's the idea of the, the increased on price on produce as well, right? Like our food trucks have averaged $1,600, well, fourteen to $1,600 a week. Now they're over 2000 So the idea of just, you know, growing some things just to compensate for the increase on your food bill is worth putting in the garden as well. Right. I mean, you can save a lot of money on your food bill by just having a garden. I mean, it, I mean, literally, if you're going to go to the store and you're going to buy onions, and onions grow well in your climate and you have a spot, why would you not just grow onions and not have to worry about the store? You don't have to go. Listen, a lot of produce and things like onions, I'm not speaking bad of the people who grow them, but they grow them and they get them out of the fields and they sit there for months before they come to your store because they know how to store them for long periods of time and they release them as they need them. So the onion that you get out of the store today doesn't mean it was picked last week. It might have been picked four months ago, but it's been in storage. So if you're going to grow onions and you're going to eat onions, why don't you grow your own and then go out and get a fresh one today? You come right out of the ground today. I mean, that's doesn't that sound like it's going to save you money? I know it is. You don't have to spend the fuel to go to the store. You're not buying from somebody. You don't know what they've put on it. And you have something fresh that actually, I did, let me tell you something. People argue this point all day long with me. But it tastes better when you know it come from your hands and that you did something behind it. It tastes better. I don't care. It's just, it's fact for me, Jester. I don't know if what you grow tastes better to you, but it, my, what I grow out of my hands always tastes better to me. Listen, I think anything that I'm not buying at the grocery store just tastes better. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> to be honest I with agree. you. Uh, but, Al, one, uh, something else I did want to get into on this is what do you know about war gardens? What do you know about victory gardens during World War One and World War Two? Well, you know, back in those days, um, the government encouraged its people to take strain off of the national supply of foods and fruits and vegetables and things like that because we were fighting wars. We needed those items and foods to feed troops and all kinds of things around the country. And, and you know, crops don't just produce food. They produce a lot of other things. So to help that, they encouraged everyone to grow a victory garden, to grow gardens and feed themselves and be more self-sufficient. But as years have gone by, we now have government in place that basically it says we don't want you to grow a garden we want you to be dependent on us we don't we're, we're, we're asking you don't don't raise a backyard flock or whatever you do don't 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 put that garden out we just just come to us we got you took care of no those victory gardens were what saved us during the second world war and through a lot of times back in those days i wish we had that kind of mentality today because we'd be in a much better shape as as a country i mean seriously we, we still have people, I mean, I realize people live in big areas and they have small little gardens. Cody Kane, one of my good buddies, has a little tiny yard in the backyard. But he's using every square inch of that to produce food. 
you know, in an area that's kind of hard to produce food, in a drought area. So you can do it, I assure you. If you live on a patio or you live in an apartment, you still got a patio, you can still grow something on your patio that will feed you a little bit. Oh, I agree with you. And, you know, just to, so these victory gardens, this wasn't just something in the U.S. So when you think to yourself, like, well, why are they talking about the war gardens? Because this was something that was global. This was taking place in, in the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, Germany. This was this was going on all over the place. All right. See, I didn't realize that, that they did it everywhere else like that, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was a big deal. So, you know, at this time during these wars, you know, people were worried about famine. They were worried about the supply web. They were worried about all these things. And gardening is what, you know, it was one of the reasons the government wanted people to do this, too, was it was a big morale booster. Guys, gardening's therapeutic. So when shit hits when shit is hitting the fan. Right. And you're you know, things look doomy and gloomy and you're like, man, everything just sucks. You spend some time out in that garden. It's going to get your spirits lifted. It's going to get your morale boosted. And whenever you're able to feed you and your family from those fresh vegetables and things right from the garden, it, it's going to make you pretty happy. I can it always makes it. me happy. I, listen, it makes me happy. Very uh, going to the garden and working is great therapy for me. My wife loves it when I'm when I go out to the garden because she knows I'm gonna come back in a pretty good mood. I can't explain why it is, but it is very therapeutic. It's good for your your mental state. I promise you. Oh, absolutely. And guys, I want to tell you something I've learned uh, about gardening recently. <laughs> Is that when you get your uh, little seed packets, right, it gives you proper spacing and, and different things like that. And I know a lot of people look at that on the package and they're like, I don't have room for this. Listen, that's bullshit. All right. It, it really is. You, right. could stuff, you could stuff things side by side. Not everything, but most things. Um, you don't need the abundance of space that a lot of these seed companies say that you need. So just bear that in mind. Right. You have to have proper spacing. You have to know what vines and what doesn't vine, what's a stationary crop, what's a crop that's very fast growing compared to a short growing crop so that maybe you can grow something in between um, two rows that's going to come up in 30 days or 45 days like radishes and be gone long before these other crops actually ever come off. That's what I do. I kind of slip my garden up into long-term crops, and I grow short-term crops in between. And then the very edges, where I'm not going to weed and do as much, that's where I'll grow, grow my real, real long-term crops, like sweet potatoes and things like that. The grass really doesn't affect them. It doesn't really take away the nutrients that they need to grow. So, But these are things that you learn over experience. So get that notebook out, first of all. And start writing down everything. What's your zone? What's your ground like? What do you like to eat? This is what we're talking about. Going back to the basics. And, and we're going to have to go back to the basics with a lot of people. But that's not a bad thing. People need to learn these things. And unfortunately, they didn't learn them when they were younger in school. So they'll learn them now as adults. That's fine. Maybe they'll pass it on to the next generation. Well, one can only hope that they do. One can only hope that this knowledge does get passed I'm a, on. I'm afraid you know? if it doesn't, Jester, <laughs> I'm afraid if it doesn't get passed on, we're going to be in a serious situation here because what happens when someone, I don't know who, but someone decides to use food as a weapon? When they start using food as a weapon against people where they're like, well, I'll tell you what, nah, your social credit score is that good. You need to do about a 1,000 calorie a day diet. Yeah, you're, you're, you'll change your mindset real quick. You'll learn how to start growing a garden and taking care of yourself. You know, I'm just I'm just saying food can be used as a weapon. It's the ultimate weapon, food and water. And those are things that we need to take that, away, that ability away from somebody else to use food and water as a weapon against us. So 
Learning these things and be able to pass them down to the next generation is a great thing, man. Get them kids out in the garden. Kids love I've taken a lot of kids to the garden with me, and I had nieces and cousins and everything that were in the garden. They love that mess. After a few days uh, going out there and messing with it, you don't even have to say anything to them. They'll be dragging you out to the garden because they want to go out there and learn how to do stuff too. Uh, it's a lot of neat science to it too, growing a garden. Hey Preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com, D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. Absolutely, and Al, I was, uh, I think I read this on the New York Post. Um, last week, there's a gentleman, I can't remember what his name is, was stating that our next pandemic that the world would face would be a food crisis. He's comparing it to a global pandemic. That's what this gentleman is saying. I know a lot of us are in fear right now about, you know, the food shortages and everything else, but I mean, I, it's, it's getting amped up. The UN's talking about this. Everybody's talking about the potential shortages, this is really the time to get into this and, and learn and start growing uh, food and, and growing your skill set to, to grow food as well, you know. Yeah, if, you know, they're talking about it all over the world. You know, we're, we're lucky in the United States. We've, we've always had a pretty good supply of food, but across the world, it wasn't the same way. I mean, there's, they've been calorie deficient all over the world for long periods of time. We've been very, very fortunate here in this country that we've not had to really worry about that yes there are people that go hungry here in the united states i'm not saying that by a way shape or form but by and far americans consume way more calories and things that aren't good for them than anywhere else on the planet so the whole world needs to get into this mindset that we need to make every square inch that we can to produce food with to do that with you know I hate to see ground just go to waste, and I keep hearing these stories about farmers getting paid not to farm and all that. I don't know if any of that's true or not, but if we can grow and grow enough food where everybody has a full belly every day when they go to bed, that's what we need to be doing. No one needs to go hungry, and food should never be a weapon. No, and, and the thing that scares me is that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to starve us into submission. That's something that I'm in that I'm in a great deal of fear, fear over and that's one reason I started doing a lot more this year I've, I've grown things this year out that I've never grown before just to see if it works just right. to see if it's going to be something that does well I mean like right now um I, I'm, I'm having some issues with tomatoes right like certain ones are growing good certain ones aren't and I'm starting to find out the best um Tomatoes that grow for me are cherry, like the little cherry tomatoes and uh, Cherokee purple tomatoes seem to be doing the best for me in my area, right? See, people would love to get Cherokee purples that do good here. We have a problem with that here. It's very hard to get Cherokee purples that do well here in this area where I live at. So that, I have a friend that's growing some right now, and it's like an oddity for around here. We can't really get them to grow here at all. But homestead and beefsteak and all that, we can get them to grow like crazy here. But yeah, it's the, probably the area that you're in. You're really predominantly good for that type of that type of tomato to grow. Right. So I'll tell you what. Like you know, uh, Al talked at the beginning of how he has his own seed bank. So do I. I've been building mine. Um, you guys uh, that listen to the show and follow me on TikTok have seen it. But it is something I'm always adding to and I'm always building. Right. 
And I, I know, and, and like, this is the big thing for me now, I'm starting to learn what is absolutely useless to grow and what's really good to grow and what's going to give me a good yield, like an abundance of something. So I'm starting to learn this and I'm, I, you know, I'm learning this the hard way. You guys that are getting into this that are new, like Al said, you're going to have some failures. Don't get discouraged, right? Don't do it. No, you can't get discouraged. You cannot. You, you're going to have failures. Hey, listen, I went out there the other day and my little carrots, for some reason, look like they got washed away other than a little tiny patch. So I wait a few days to see what was happening. Nothing's happening. Okay, no problem. I'll go plant them again. I planted some more. There we go. Now we're going to see what happens in a few days here. Because I plant them a little deeper. I probably got them a little shallow. It's going to happen, folks. I'm not saying none of them are going to come up, but most of them weren't going to come up. So we, we do that. And short-term crops. You can grow short-term crops in between your long-term crops. Some things vine, and you have to know kind of like how to push those vines the way they stay out of your walkway and stuff like that and which ones can you grow up a trellis you just have to kind of get experience with this but most people that are preppers that are gardeners stuff like that will give you advice if you most of them want to give away advice okay so you know all you got to do is ask most of them be more than happy to help you Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And like, that's, that's one thing we do with the show is we try to share information and try to help get you guys prepared for come whatever may. Right. Absolutely. All right. So with that guys, we're, we're going to wrap this up. I want to uh, tell you guys, first off, if you guys haven't known about the big daddy house podcast yet, he is live on Podbean almost 24 hours a day al do you have a set schedule yeah. or is, is it just like i'm gonna be live all the time oh i just uh we do friday saturday and sunday nights with a topic based show um those three nights we do a couple hours just a topic based show and then in the morning times 5 a.m i do a little news show where we talk about news that the mainstream media doesn't talk about for about an hour but it's kind of open forum pick about a half a dozen topics that you don't hear in the mainstream media and stories and we talk about it and if i can get somebody to talk back to me that's fine and i get a lot of people commenting but you know people are still asleep that time in the morning but i got a great listener base over across the ocean over in australia places like that and they're a good crew because they're at the end of their day by the time i'm in the beginning of my day so it's kind of fun just join us there at five o'clock central standard time in the morning time Awesome. Yeah, guys, definitely. And this is exclusive on the Podbean app. Get the Podbean app. And then if you also get the Podbean app after you're getting done listening to the show on Monday morning, do understand that we will be live Monday night on its Doomsday podcast on Podbean. If you guys right. don't have the Podbean app, you are missing out. guys. Right. And, you know, <laughs> you're on every Monday night. And I mean, it's like there's a drove of people come. So you might as well, if you're a prepper officer, you might as well get in there and pick up some good information. Might be a little, something a little political, might be something up prepping. You never know what you're going to pick up on. But like-minded people are good people to network with. You know, that's my feelings. Absolutely, guys. And if you're not following us on TikTok, you could follow Al on there at big underscore daddy prep. You could follow me on there at it's doomsday podcast 2.0. The email, if you guys want to email into the show, is it's doomsday podcast at gmail.com and just one final note that i got to tell you guys get your tickets to prep stock this is an event 
that I'm hosting and Safe Prep's hosting and, and Al is working on getting one uh, going out in Arkansas as well sometime in the spring. Um, Al, have you locked in a date for that yet, or are you still up in the air? No, with we're kind of up in the – it's, you know, you're, we're, we're talking right at 10, 10 and a half months away, so it's we're trying to lock in a date right now, but we're looking right at the beginning of June, right in that area right there. We don't want to get too late in the month, but we don't want to get we, – we don't want it to be cold. We don't want it to be too hot either, so we're working on it right now. Gotcha. I totally understand. And then, yeah, guys, for tickets for the for this event, it's going to be www.prepstock.info. Al, is there anything else you want to add before we're out of here? Other than just ask questions, folks. I mean, folks are out here to help you, and they'd love to help you. And I know a lot of people that follow Jester and follow me. I have other expertise other than ours. So all you got to do is ask. We'll, we'll shoot you in the right direction. action message. At approximately 1 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Nora is tracking 15 ICBM nuclear missiles inbound to the following cities. Orlando, Miami, Pittsburgh, Dover, Newark, Richland, Philadelphia, New York City, Baltimore, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Boston, Seattle, Detroit. This is an extremely deadly situation. Stay tuned, the next emergency message will be a presidential address.